Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And welcome into Agriculture of America, AOA, here today. Great to have you along for the ride as we talk about what is happening across rural America and throughout agriculture. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, an exciting uh, lineup on the show for you here today. Brought to you by our friends at Cenex, Cenex Premium Diesel, a diesel that doesn't mess around. Find your nearest Cenex location online at Cenex.com. We're going to talk markets in a second with Darren Newsom from Bar Chart. Coming up in segment two, we'll get an update on the weather. Will we have a bit of a window for some harvest activity here this week? We're going to talk about that with DTN meteorologist John Baranek. Coming up in segment three, we'll have a conversation on the September ag equipment sales numbers and the wrap-up for quarter number three. We'll talk with Kurt Blades from the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. And then we'll wrap up the show in segment four with news headlines today. A new study shows the soybean industry has made a $124 billion impact on the U.S. economy. We're going to Hear thoughts about that, as well as bull management considerations for rebuilding your herd. Those are just some of the headlines we're going to take a look at coming up here later in the program. Right now, though, let's take a look at what's going on in the market trade. Joining us here to kick off the program, Darren Newsom, Senior Market Analyst with Bar Chart, is with us. Darren, great to have you back on the show. I hope you're doing well. Doing well, Jesse. I appreciate you having me on again. Let's uh, take a look at what's going on in the markets here to start off the week. Pretty quiet action uh, across the grains and oil seeds. Uh, you know, we had a slowdown to harvest activity last week with some rain across much of the uh, upper Midwest here. Some pretty heavy rain, in fact. But uh, looking at the weekend headlines and more and getting started this week, things seem pretty quiet, Darren. Yeah, they really are. Um, you know, as we watched overnight, your corn just really didn't do anything at all, uh, which isn't unusual for overnight trade for the corn market where soybeans, it was interesting. You know, we saw November pop uh, right off the bat and then pull back down, which is normal, except for we just didn't see the the usual uh, trade volume. And, and this is what's been telling us, you know, that we've been making some sales, uh, some export sales are, are starting to hit the books and so on. But we didn't really see the volume last night. Then as Monday's session got rolling, all of a sudden, you know, we've got some support coming back into beans. We're, we're bouncing back and forth. Corn's not doing much of anything. There were some announced sales. Uh, first thing Monday morning, we saw some uh, corn sold to Mexico and uh, some soybean meal and uh, cake and meal sold to the Philippines. You know, nothing really outstanding, but it's mm -hmm. nice to see that some sales are being made. So, Markets have already built these in. You know, my guess is uh, that we saw a lot of this with uh, with some of the the spread activity that we saw late last week. Uh, some of the rallies that we saw in in the markets late last week. So for now, as you mentioned, it's it's going to be about you know harvest getting rolling again after the recent round of rains, uh, which looks to be a pretty clear week. It'll be interesting to see what uh, to hear what John has to say about it. Um, and if we do, you know, now we get back into the old game of corn gets tucked away and soybeans get sold. So let's watch the basis markets. Let's watch spreads uh, and see how this week plays out. Well, and I, I wonder too, on the soybean side, I know we'll get NOPA crush numbers out on Monday here too. I'll be curious to see what those look like if, as far as any 
market impacts there. But to a broader, uh, larger point, looking at soybean exports, I know we have record low levels on this Mississippi River. It continues to go down. Memphis uh, area struggling. I, I wonder how much that could impact some of uh, some of the soybean sales and this uh, the basis and more with this soy market overall here the next couple of weeks ahead, Darren. Yeah, our, our, our next read on this will be with the inspections numbers. And what's been interesting is the last couple of weeks, we've seen a big increase in soybeans inspected off the Pacific Northwest. And so we're, you know, we're, we're, we're moving the beans out to where we can, move, you know, we can get, you know, we can get them to port because you're absolutely right. Low water levels makes it very difficult to get down to New Orleans. So what this is doing there is more freight involved now into getting them out to the PNW. So that is keeping mm -hmm. a little bit of a lid on the basis market here. We're seeing demand pick up. We had a we had a solid, I think, something like 60.4 million bushels of inspections last week uh, when it came time for weekly export sales and shipments. The shipments numbers was big uh, as well. So now this will be uh, this morning's numbers and then later this week's numbers will be as of last Thursday. So It'll be interesting to see if we if we if we follow up uh, the previous reports with another big number. It's the time of year for this to happen. So, you know, to move 50, 60 million bushels isn't unusual for this time of year. But what really makes it seem kind of odd is the fact that, you know, it's just so hard, as you mentioned, to get anything down the river at this point. I know, too, with the case of the wheat market, China's been in here buying some SRW wheat, and there's more rumors out there China's buying wheat from Australia, possibly buying some French wheat. What do you make of that situation? Is this just a case of China just doing what China does and, and buying things when they need to buy things? Yeah, you know, that, that that's the biggest thing, and that's a great way of putting it. With the U.S. software winter wheat market, it is so fundamentally bearish. We have so much on hand. We've got weak basis. We've got wheat. You know, we've got incredibly strong carries in, in future spread. So it is attractive. Um, you know, it is going to mm -hmm. start to bring in the attention of some global buyers. You know, we're not seeing Egypt. We're not seeing the India. And we're not going to see those folks. But the fact that China has been in a couple times now uh, to buy U.S. softwood winter wheat, starting to put a little bit of support underneath this market. And, you know, again, as we head into winter, it's, it's needed. I mean, the, the, you know, we, we've seen a lot of pressure. Uh, we've seen non-commercial traders build large short positions uh, across the board in all three wheat markets. And now they're starting to cover a bit because we are starting to see some um, stars are starting to see some cash demand uh, coming in from China. Mm -hmm. We're talking with Darren Newsom from Bar Charts and uh, Darren looking over at the cattle market, mm -hmm. uh, a little bit of green to start the week there. Any notes in this protein sector that you're watching as we kick off the week? Yeah, you know, it, again, it just comes back to the cattle look like they want to top out, but they simply, you know, they they, they continue to find buyers. Uh, you know, we'll keep a close eye on the, how the cash market develops this week. And we're also getting, you know, there's a possibility that we're getting some continued spillover support. Uh, the the you know, stock indexes are rallying here to start the week. Uh, they still mm -hmm. look long-term bullish, so certainly could provide some support there as well. And crude oil, uh, our canary in the coal mine, so to speak. Uh, I know we saw a bit of a rally here to end last week and hanging around $87 a barrel. I feel like this crude market is largely watching the Middle East conflict right now. What, what's your take on the crude oil right now? 
Yeah, great point, great subject. I wrote about it for my latest piece for Bar Chart, talking about which which of the two markets was the better safe haven, is the better safe haven between gold, you know, the traditional safe haven and crude oil when things get uh, heated over in the Middle East. We did see big moves last week. Wouldn't be too surprising to see both markets back off a little bit. I'm guessing, you know, there's a bit of a vacuum underneath both. We could see them come down a little bit just because they burned up all the buy orders last week. Not that there's going to be a huge amount of selling, but let it fall back down a little bit. See if the buyers are willing to jump back in based on, you know, that uncertainty isn't going to go away anytime soon. Darren Newsom, senior market analyst at Bar Chart. Always appreciate the conversation and your thoughts on the market trade. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Good to visit with you again, Jesse. Darren Newsom there with Bar Chart joining us here on AOA Today. Coming up next, we're going to take a look at weather. John Baranek with DTN will be joining us here on the program. AOA brought to you by Cenex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Oil that runs smart. Back with more on the way right after this. challenge it's not something you shy from it's a chance to up your game every day brings a new challenge but with the enhanced channel seed brand on your side you can rise to it with our top performing seed innovative digital tools and expanded agronomic support you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage your enhanced channel seed brand let's rise to the challenge learn more at channel.com rise read and follow pesticide label directions irm grain marketing and other stewardship practices Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system. From global market access to local expertise, we'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. 
They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. Welcome back to AOA, brought to you by Sedex Premium Diesel. With Sedex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Well, as we take a look at what's going on with the weather right now, I know had a bit of a slowdown to some harvest activity here the last few days with rain across parts of the upper Midwest. We're going to talk about that and look ahead to uh, this week and see if we're going to have an opportunity to get some field work done. Once again, joining us now, DTN meteorologist John Baranek is with us here on the program. And John, good to have you back on. Hope you had a great weekend. I did, Jesse. I mean, it was wet, but it was a good weekend. Uh, uh, we, we, I mean, I looked at my rain gauge here this morning after it was finally all done. I had over three inches of rain in my rain gauge from the weekend. So I know there's wow. a lot of folks uh, around the Midwest that kind of saw the same sort of deal. Um, you know, you go from Minnesota to parts of Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois, all the way to, to uh, Pennsylvania even. And, and we, we saw kind of similar amounts, one to three inches, which was, was pretty typical. Yeah, it was amazing. I, I just took a look at the radar, you know, late last week, and you saw from Wyoming to Chicago, essentially was just covered with rain for the most part, maybe a little snow out west there, Wyoming, uh, west of Nebraska, but for the most part, just a, a large area of pretty hefty rainfall that largely, John, you and I were talking uh, during the commercial break, largely just kind of soaked in because of how dry things have been. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen some better rainfall here over the last, you know, uh, say 30 days or so across a lot of areas, but you're right. I mean, the, the drought just kind of was just been too much and soils are super dry. Um, and this hasn't been, you know, the, the kind of rain that, it, you know, comes down in, you know, two or three hours uh, that would overflow quite easily. So it's, it's really been soaking into the ground. Um, and, and we've seen some some uh, some improvements in the drought monitor recently. I think you know when we we finally uh, see that coming out out here Thursday morning, I think we'll see a lot of widespread improvement uh, across the Corn Belt. So uh, expecting that. But yeah, I mean it's not it, it's soaking into the soils, and we're built, rebuilding soil moisture, and that's going to be important. But it's you know it's 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 a slow process of getting that into the river systems when it's not just running off of of, of fields and 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 parking lots and stuff like that so much. So um yeah the the river systems are still rather low and 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 they will be until we you know kind of just just keep pumping moisture in we're just going to need to keep doing that over the next uh, several months to help uh with the situation i know we were talking about the the lower mississippi valley and and uh you know mm -hmm. how low those those levels have gotten but we have to remind ourselves that you know a lot of that you know half of of the water that goes into that part of the river is from the ohio and um, the Ohio River Valley hasn't gotten the kind of rain we've seen over the Midwest and into the Great Lakes. Um, a lot of that kind of drains, uh, you know, some some of that drains into the Great Lakes and then out to the Atlantic. So that, that doesn't really help. And, you know, where it's been falling in, in the western half of the Corn Belt, it's just been eliminating drought. So it hasn't really mm -hmm. been getting into the rivers. Yeah. And that's something that uh, you and I were talking about as well before we uh, came back live here is just 
Uh, you know, the lower Mississippi, I know at Memphis, uh, record low water levels, minus 11 and a half feet was the last update I saw. It might be a little bit lower than that even now. And, and really a lot of concern about that southern half of the river. And so my question to you, John, as you look out here over the next few weeks ahead, do we have a better opportunity to get some rains maybe in that Ohio River Valley like you were mentioning do we, or even some rains across the south, do we have an opportunity here to try to rebuild the water levels or are we facing a, a dire situation? Uh, I think it's a little of both. I think I have some optimism. Um, not so much this week. We do have a little storm system, uh, storm system moving through this week, but it's a lot of light showers, uh, you know, quarter inch or less kind of type of showers. Not, not too great. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, we get into next week and we get kind of a setup that's kind of perfect. Uh, we get this trough digging into the West, uh, a nice ridge across the East. And that brings up a whole bunch of, of moisture from the Gulf of Mexico, some warmer temperatures, building up some thunderstorms. And, uh, we're expecting a storm system here kind of early to mid next week across the plains and, uh, West of the Mississippi river. And then that should shift its way eastward. Uh, later next week and weekend. And we could see several impulses coming through. And we're also um, watching uh, a potential hurricane in the Pacific Ocean, uh, kind of west of Mexico, to get sucked northward uh, that would go through the plains as well and help out the situation there. So uh, we've got lots of opportunity, especially next week, uh, with getting some ample rainfall uh, through. Um, you know, we are uh, potentially getting some colder air to go along with that. So we'll have to watch and see if any snow comes out of that. But I think we've got some potential here to build some good moisture, especially for the, the heart of the country. Um, when you get to the, the, you know, kind of the Eastern half of Corn Belt, the Tennessee Valley, um, the Ohio Valley, I think it's a little bit more questionable uh, whether or not we get some of these, these really good uh, heavy soaking rains to move through not out of the question and i think at least as long as we have some opportunity in the middle of the country we'll have some opportunity for the eastern half of the country to do that um but you know when we talk about all this rain and, and potential snow um helping out the river systems you know it's and helping drought um it's not really helping farmers out there that still have a lot of field work to do so it's kind of you know this time of year just like spring is a double-edged sword uh, with, with the precipitation. Uh, we need it mm -hmm. in, in a lot of areas, but you know, when we need it, uh, it ends up giving us other problems. So I think we'll have to be dealing with that here, at least through the, the end of October. It's a little bit of give and take. That is for sure. John, I know as well, you mentioned with some of that cold air coming in, I know we're already seeing various, uh, frost and freeze events here across the country. Just another, uh, indication of, uh, what the time of year currently is. It's, uh, it's, that time on the calendar where we start to see more and more of those uh, early mornings where uh, it's a little little frosty outside isn't it yeah and i almost slipped on my deck this morning here too when i was going to do my <laughs> morning video and i went to go check my rain gauge and i was like oh holy crap and i i, I almost fell right on my butt uh so yes that's uh that's a, a normal thing here this time of year especially for me up north in minnesota but uh for, for mm -hmm. most of the plains and, and through most of the areas here in the corn, but that's, it's pretty typical to see that here sometime during the month of October, you know, you get down to Tennessee or, or, or uh, Arkansas and, and you're talking about kind of November for that to occur. Um, we had, I thought some potential here early this week for that, but the winds are a little too high. We got a little bit of cloud cover moving through. So um, not just not cold enough there yet, but you know, it's, it's knocking on the doorstep for a lot of us. 
We're talking with John Baranek, DTN meteorologist, joining us here today on AOA. John, let's move to South America. I know a lot of folks very curious, keeping a watchful eye on planting progress in Brazil and Argentina. What's the latest you're seeing in South America here this week? You know, they've got all kinds of weather concerns, but it really doesn't seem to matter to them down there. It's really kind of incredible. Um, you know, we've, we've been talking about kind of three zones in South America, central Brazil, which has kind of wet season daily showers and they've been having them, but they've been kind of sporadic and lighter than normal, but they've been having them. which has been the most important part. So their planning progress is actually uh, ahead of normal, uh, pace there in central Brazil, even though, uh, a lot of folks would think that with the, the, the lower rainfall they've had, uh, in the recent, in the last few weeks that, you know, producers there would be holding off. They're not. They're, they're, they're going um, in southern Brazil. It's been it's been too wet um, and they've had issues with flooding. I've seen uh, a lot more issues uh, pop up over the last week with uh, some roads getting flooded out, some transportation issues, fields getting flooded and livestock areas uh, losing some uh, animals uh, due to some flooding out there, too. So uh, that's been an issue. But their planning progress still, again, is is on pace with with normal. Um, and even that the state of Paraná has been faster than normal. It's at a record fast pace for planting their soybeans, which is kind of incredible given all the rain they've had right lately. Um, so that they don't seem to care. They're, they're, they're moving through anyway. And then Argentina has been very, very dry. Uh, they've had system after system move through, but it just hasn't been producing the rainfall. So it's been waiting until it got into southern Brazil and just deluge that part of, of the world. But mm-hmm. Argentina has been very dry. Um, that's the area I think has the, the biggest concern. They're slower in their planting because they they really want the rainfall to be in there for good uh, germination to, to happen. It just hasn't been the case just yet. Um, they'll see some isolated showers here today, but for the most part, they're dry this week. They get better opportunities, though, this weekend. Uh, there's another system moving through that um, finally has some promise of widespread moderate to heavy rainfall uh, over Argentina. And then they've got another one later next week that looks like it'll do something similar. So their prospects there are improving. Uh, we'll see how we'll have to see if this rain actually comes to fruition or not, because uh, you know, it, mm-hmm. you know, you know how forecasts go. So we'll have to see on that. But you know, honestly, things, all things considered, with all the the weather hazards they should be having, don't really seem to be having a whole heck of a lot of concern just yet. You know, we're early in the in the season, and a little dryness early in the season doesn't really mean much if if we can get some good rains at the right time. So. Um, concerns there. Yes, but, but not, not too many. It's a marathon, not a sprint in, in many cases, uh, when it comes to watching that forecast through the growing season, we'll keep our eyes on South America and everything happening here in the U S as well. With that, John Baranek, DTN meteorologist joining us here on AOA today, John, great to talk to you as always have an awesome week. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on Jesse. All right. Coming up next here on AOA brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel, a diesel that doesn't mess around. We'll talk with Kurt Blades from the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. That's next here on AOA, Agriculture of America. So how's harvest? Higher yield potential starts with the season-long systemic disease protection of Zyway brand fungicides from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides protect corn crops from key foliar diseases and support physiological benefits that help develop healthier, higher yielding corn for a difference you'll appreciate at harvest. 
Visit your FMC retailer for an at plant advantage. Always read and follow all label directions. When people look at your farm, they just see corn. But to you, it's a lot more than that. It's a college fund, your retirement plan, and it deserves trait protection that can stand up to heavy pressure threats like corn woodworm. SmartStacks Pro with RNAi technology is trusted on over 1 million acres to protect the things that mean more. Trade up at smartstackspro.com. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. Copyright 2023 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. The grains and livestock are both mixed to mostly lower this morning. This week's focus in the grain and oilseed markets will be on harvest results following several days of high winds that increased lodging in corn in central and western portions of the Midwest. And although it's not a threat currently, the focus will at some point shift to Brazil's center west weather as well and how that's going to sync up with the timing of the harvest and actual size of its soybean crop. Stonex Brazil reports that 18% of its soybean crop has been planted as of Friday. That's down roughly five points from each of the past two years, but twice the pace seen three years ago. That includes 30% of the soybeans planted in Mato Grosso. That's Brazil's biggest production state, down from 38% a year ago. A lot of soybeans typically get planted over the next several weeks, and rains remain spotty. The crop is doing well in some areas of center-west Brazil, while other areas are facing replanting due to dryness. Now, the next 10 days lean dry for Mato Grosso and points to the east. Now, Brazil's been in this position before and still produced a good crop, but it does open the door for a late harvest, and we still can't rule out the possibility of a short crop. Now, wheat futures were higher overnight on signs of demand for U.S. supplies from an unlikely buyer. China stepped in for another large wheat purchase, buying 181,000 metric tons of soft red winter wheat for delivery in 23-24. There was also a sale announced of 117,300 tons of soybeans to an unnamed country and 100,000 tons of soybean cake and meal to unknown destinations. Now, China purchased 220,000 tons of soft red winter wheat also for delivery in the current year. Wheat sales to overseas buyers in the week through October 5th totaled 652,000 tons. That's a marketing year high, up from 273,100 tons a week earlier and a 67% increase from the prior four-week average. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma. Not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility. Independence changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. 
And welcome back to AOA, Agriculture of America, brought to you by our friends at Cenex. Cenex Premium Diesels like Cenex Roadmaster XL, everyday products powered locally by Cenex, keeping you busy, uh, keeping you fueled, and keeping your engines running properly during this busy time of year, I should say, with fall harvest in full swing. And again, you can find your nearest Cenex location if it's not right around the corner from you, which it probably is. You can find it online at Cenex.com. Well, before we get connected with our next guest here, Kurt Blades with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, I know we are uh, getting connected with him on the phone. We'll uh, take a look at a couple of news headlines here, uh, a couple of important ones uh, out here today that I want to share with you. Health officials have euthanized a Minnesota commercial turkey flock after tests confirmed it was positive for highly pathogenic avian influenza. The flock contained approximately 140,000 birds in its estate's first confirmed case of the disease since last spring. Now, as is typically the case during spring or fall, officials say the disease is likely connected to the seasonal migration of wild birds. Commercial flocks in South Dakota and Utah have also tested positive for the virus. We've seen an outbreak in the Canadian prairies as well. Now, Michael Cruzen, spokesman for the Minnesota Board of Animal Health, says now is the time for producers to keep up with biosecurity measures and keep the area around their animals clean. According to Minnesota Public Radio, poultry farmers should be on the lookout for birds that eat or drink less than normal and a drop in egg production, depression, or sudden death. Last year, HPAI cost America's poultry producers almost 59 million birds in 47 states. So again, be on the lookout for the signs as uh, we're seeing highly pathogenic avian influenza start to impact flocks across the uh, upper Midwest and the Northern Plains states. So something to definitely keep our eyes on and stay vigilant about on our poultry operations. Well, also, too, uh, we touched on this a little bit with John Baranek from DTN in the last segment. Mississippi River water levels, they are still at an all-time low near Memphis and set a record for the second straight year. The low levels are causing a two-fold problem as barge traffic is still significantly disrupted and salt water is moving up the river in Louisiana, threatening drinking water supplies for thousands of people. Now, the National Weather Service recently said the water level at, Mem at Memphis fell to a record low elevation of minus 11 and a half feet. This year's record significantly lower than last year. In October of 2022, the Mississippi dropped to a minus 10.81 feet. Now, several other records were set at various stops along the river system, including Cairo, Illinois, on the Ohio River, which was at a level of minus 4.5 feet. New Madrid, Missouri recently dropped to minus 6.4 feet. Now, the low water level is causing concern about barge traffic availability here during harvest season when staple Midwest crops are transported to ports for shipping. You have to think about fertilizer moving up the river as well for fall application. There are a lot of concerns to think about here with the low water levels on the Mississippi River. And it's something we're going to be keeping our eyes on very, very closely and uh, watching and reporting on here for you on AOA just to uh, kind of keep you updated as to what is going on. So, again, the Mississippi River system at Memphis, a record low elevation, lower than last year, 11.5 feet. So a lot of concern, something to keep our eyes on for sure.
All right. Well, we are connected with our next guest. Now we want to take a look at the September equipment numbers uh, for the U.S. and Canada, sales numbers uh, for the U.S. and Canada for tractors, combines, etc., and also a wrap-up to the third quarter. How are things looking? How are things shaping up? Here to run through the numbers with us today, Kurt Blades with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers joins us on the program. And Kurt, always great to have a conversation with you. Glad we could have you on the show today. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on again, Justin. Well, let's dive in and take a look here at these uh, numbers for the month of September, closing the third quarter of 2023. Uh, pretty strong position, at least on the Four-wheel drive ag tractor sales. I saw a pretty big surge, it sounds like, in North America. Let's start there. Could you give us a, a rundown of what we saw? Yeah, that's, uh, you pointed out the, the big highlight of the September report. As you know, for the last uh, 35 years or so, the Association of Equipment Manufacturers has every month puts out a flash report that shows tractors and combine sales by various classes. This month in September, we saw... Uh, 100% increase in sales in, of uh, articulated four-wheel drive tractors in September, and uh, that's leading us to about a 43% increase uh, for the uh, for a year to date of that of that uh, class of tractors. So that's a that's a good story. I mean, the rest of it's a little bit of a mixed bag because we saw some softness in other markets, but uh, that articulated four-wheel drive number is certain certainly something we're uh, paying attention to. Yeah, uh, very big numbers there, and uh, really great to see that with the four-wheel drive tractors. You, you mentioned a little more of a mixed bag with some of the other numbers. Uh, what uh, what stood out to you with the September numbers that, that led to kind of those mixed feelings a little bit? Well, we've been seeing for, um, for really about a year, year and a half now, some real softness in that uh, subcompact tractor line. So that's under 40 horsepower. Uh, that's a market that that uh, during COVID um, and during lockdowns was just surging to record numbers. So I think a lot of that demand got met. That's also a pretty good indication of the overall economy. Those wouldn't be necessarily considered true tra true farm tractors, but they do represent a whole lot of volume, uh, uh, both uh, for ag dealers as well as some of those rural lifestyle dealers. So we do pay attention to that number. And with that being down about uh, you know a little over 10% for the year and just under 10% for the month of September. That's certainly something we're paying attention to. On the positive side, just like the articulated four-wheel drive tractors, we've seen some real growth in uh, tractors over 100 horsepower. Uh, really, for the year, we're up 7%, and September is, is holding that same trend. You know, those would be you know traditional row crop tractors. Um, and you combine that number with those four-wheel drive tractors, and that's a really a better indication of of a farmer true farmer tractors and those numbers are 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 so holding strong obviously we're approaching harvest season and and you know it's kind of a mixed bag out there as well as terms of what yields are looking like and what crop prices are looking like but as as a general rule when you see numbers that are strong like this it kind of gives you gives you hope that farmer optimism is still alive and well out there in the country Definitely. How about uh, combines? Uh, let's dig in a little bit more there. Uh, are we still looking at positive numbers to wrap up the third quarter? Well, we're we're uh, we're we're down, or we're basically flat for uh, for September um, for the month. But year to date, uh, so you know, the first three quarters combined, we're up about twenty five percent for for self propelled combines. And when you think about that, you know, that's a that's a pretty expensive purchase. You know, a farmer has to feel pretty good about the next five, 10 years of their farming operations to invest 
you know, half, three quarter million dollars in a new combine. And so for, uh, you know, for that to be up 25% for the year is a pretty good indication that there's some optimism out there coupled with there's some brand new models with some pretty remarkable technology. Uh, we're, we're excited to put in farmers' hands and farmers appear to be pretty excited to, to get it into their farming operations, especially as we're staring down the harvest at this very minute. Well, and you brought up a great point, and this is something that you and I have talked about before quite a bit, is just all that new technology that is becoming available here in our ag equipment and just uh, providing farmers with so many different tools that they can use and just that that ag, that innovation happening here with our equipment is is very, very strong, very, very high right now, isn't it, Kurt? It absolutely is. It absolutely is. And it, you know, it begins with, uh, you know, with the tractor that knows where itself is in the field and, and can drive in a straight row, which you know, allows a farmer to have pretty straight crop crop lines, which is always good and saves some, uh, saves some fuel, saves some input costs and allows for precision farming to happen. But you, you sort of think of the ripple effect on that, you know, straight lines lead to, uh, you know, less fatigue. So longer hours uh, for a farmer to work and be very effective. Uh, reduce their input costs. And then when it comes to harvest time, those straight rows and uh, precision farming, you know, allows for, you know, just a more efficient operation. You know, we all know that that harvest window is so critical. So anything you can do to shave, you know, an hour here or an hour here or save some fuel time or save additional cost translates to real dollars on the farm, especially during these times when, you know, when margins are always just a little bit bit compressed very very true kurt before we uh wrap it up and let you go here for this month uh, any new challenges you foresee in front of us or are things still kind of the kind of the same right now than uh when we talked last month well the the next quarters the next uh three months are always sort of interesting uh in tractor and combine sales as you know uh, uh you know we've got uh harvest time so folks have a little bit maybe a little bit more time in the windshield to to be thinking about what their operations are going to look like for the balance of the year. So we tend to see a little bit of a dot, uh, drop in, uh, you know, in, in November. And then we see a little bit of a, of a pickup in December. So I'll be really interested to see how that translates, you know, both from some tax buying and some uh, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, business rejiggering uh, at the end of the year. I'll be really interested to see how that plays out. But boy, I, I always remain optimistic that the ag tractor market is strong as the ag market is strong, you know, certainly for the next five to 10 years. Couldn't agree more. And I know folks can stay up to date with the latest details, find the September numbers and more online, aem.org. That is the website for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, aem.org. We've been talking today with Kurt Blades from the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Kurt, always great to uh, have a conversation with you, my friend, and have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you again soon. You bet. Thanks so much for the time today. Fantastic. Once again, Kurt Blades there with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers joining us here on AOA today, going through those September numbers and the quarter three numbers for uh, tractor combine sales and more. All right, coming up next here on AOA, we're going to take a look at a, a few more news headlines before we wrap up the program, including a new study showing the soybean industry has a rather large impact on the U.S. economy and bull management considerations for rebuilding the herd. We're going to talk about that more Coming up next on AOA, brought to you by Cenex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Oil that runs smart. Back with more right after this.
Nothing offers an opportunity to bond and give thanks quite like breaking bread together. This is especially true as we welcome our troops back home and keep those who are still stationed overseas in our hearts. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Since 2011, the Gary Sinise Foundation's Serving Heroes program has shown gratitude to our nation's defenders and their families by serving up nearly 500,000 hearty classic American meals at travel hubs and military locations. And now, together with our friends at Bob Evans Farms and their Our Farm Salutes program, we will help to provide even more meals nationwide, offering our defenders a taste of home and a feeling of togetherness around the table. Help us show America's gratitude through food and fellowship. Look for the Bob Evans Our Farm Salutes purple packaging at your grocery store and visit ourfarmsalutes.com to learn more. While we can never do enough to support the men and women who serve together, we can make a difference, bite by bite. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Join us the first Wednesday of every month on AOA for the latest episode of The Monthly Grind with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. We'll discuss the latest topics surrounding the corn industry, the relationships between corn and other parts of the agricultural supply chain, the newest initiatives and partnerships from NCGA's Market Development Action Team, and much more. That's the first Wednesday of every month for The Monthly Grind on AOA. It's a show you don't want to miss. The archaeological record suggests that wheat was first cultivated in the regions of the Fertile Crescent, also known as the Cradle of Civilization, around 9600 BC. The Roman goddess Ceres, who was deemed protector of the grain, gave grains their common name today, cereal. Wheat is the primary grain used in U.S. grain products. Approximately three-quarters of all U.S. grain products are made from wheat flour. The first bagel rolled into the world in 1683 when a baker from Vienna, Austria, was thankful to the king of Poland for saving Austria from Turkish invaders, the baker reshaped the local bread so that it resembled the king's stirrup. The new bread was called bugel, derived from the German word for stirrup. Ancient traditional tortillas were made from ground corn by Mexican natives as long as 2,000 years ago. However, flour tortillas only started to become popular in the 19th century. More types of foods are made with wheat than with any other cereal grain. These farm facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. 
Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran. Call 800-209-6416 for 24-hour response. Call 800-209-6416. 800-209-6416. That's 800-209-6416. This is Ernie Johnson, Jr. Sports is about overcoming obstacles. And college coaches work hard to help young men overcome Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's called Coach to Cure MD, and you can help. Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill. Or go online to coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501. Help coaches cure MD. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association. Information America's farmers and ranchers need. AOA. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA here today. Brought to you by Cenex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Everyday products powered locally. That's Cenex. You can find your nearest location online very easily. Just go to Cenex.com. Well, the Soy Checkoff and the National Oilseed Processors Association, they partnered on an economic impact study to engage farmers in the agricultural community about the importance of the soybean industry to the U.S. and state economies. Ed Lambers, United Soybean Board Secretary and Nebraska Farmer, shares details on the findings of the study. So as a farmer, sometimes we kind of get in our daily routine and don't think about the big picture. And this study that USB and the crush industry come together to do uh, showed us some great results and some really eye-opening contributions that the soy sector adds to the national economy. $124 billion per year. That's a big, big number. We got a lot of jobs that also uh, fall in that economy, you know, with 223,000 paid full-time jobs. So those are some really big, big numbers and really kind of goes to emphasize the importance of the soybean sector. And he talks about what makes studies like this so important for farmers. We kind of get in our daily routines. We don't think about that big picture. And it just kind of brings to attention of the importance of what we do every day and how it affects other people and the national economy. The value chain is wide and big. You know, you got fertilizers, you got transportation, you got the crush, you know, we got oil, we got meal, we got animal food. It's a miracle bean is what it is. Well, the soybeans economic impact stretches well beyond the farm with new innovations for soybeans that are used in over 1,000 products. New innovations that are coming out, and most people probably are not aware of, is this here um, soy foam that fire departments are using for retardants on special chemicals. You know, any food processors where chemical would not be friendly to the processor, soy is a degradable. So that soy foam is just really has a really unique priority to it. Other things are seed lubricants. As a soybean producer, we always put some kind of a treatment on our seed to make it flows better so it don't plug up on our rows or whatever. And you can keep up with the latest news from the United Soybean Board at unitedsoybean.org and every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on RFD TV. Well, as producers start thinking about rebuilding their herds, selecting and managing bulls will be critical. 
when we think about bulls, they are they are quite the investment, and they are a huge genetic investment into our herd. Jennifer Kozul is an associate professor of food, animal medicine, and surgery at Texas Tech University. She says producers need to know where their operation is going. Are we rebuilding with more heifers? And so we're looking for a calving ease bull. Are we buying mature cows that we are going to use? those cows to produce calves that are, we're going to retain ownership through the feedlot. Thinking about what genetic characteristics we want that bull to have, what phenotypic characteristics that we want that bull to have, and thinking about is this a time for our herd that we're going to transition? Have we been typically a certain breed and we're going to transition into another breed? Are we going to introduce genetics into our herd that we haven't haven't used before, but we've been thinking about. And so those are all going to be important factors. She says bull management will also be key. Making sure those bulls are up to date on vaccines. General recommendation for bulls is that their vaccine status matches the vaccine status of the cows, that their feet are in good working order, that there's not any cracks, potential for lamenesses, Uh, Things like that. There's no corns in between their toes that can cause lameness early on. So making sure that bull is physically fit. So I always think about that we want our bulls to be like well-maintained athletes, right? They need to have a diet of an athlete. And so really managing protein, energy, and as always, lose-free minerals is a really important thing to make sure that our bulls are ready to go to work when we ask them to go to work. And Kozula also encourages producers to have a breeding soundness exam. Depending on several factors and how many cows that bull is with, for every dollar spent on a breeding soundness exam, about 6 to $7 comes back to the producer. And so that's a really good trade on investment, if you ask me. And so I really encourage every bull has a breeding soundness exam before every breeding season. Um, and the reason I say that, especially with bulls that are used for both fall and spring calving seasons, is that there's a lot that can happen to a bull. There's a lot of changes that can happen with a bull during those periods. Now she says there are a few online tools, including spreadsheets, to help you determine what you could pay for a bull and what makes sense for your operation. Again, that's Jennifer Kozul, Associate Professor of Food, Animal Medicine, and Surgery at Texas Tech University. Well, also here today on AOA, the USDA is extending the application deadline for the milk loss program to Monday, October 30th. That will allow more time for eligible dairy farmers to apply for much-needed weather-related disaster recovery assistance. Administered by the Farm Service Agency, MLP compensates dairy producers who, because of qualifying weather events, dumped or removed milk without compensation from the commercial milk market in calendar years 2020, 2021, and 2022. Eligible causes of losses also include the consequences of those weather events, such as power outages, impassable roads, and infrastructure losses. FSA opened enrollment on September 11th. FSA Administrator Zach Ducheneau says, quote, We recognize that MLP benefits are critical to the financial recovery of dairy operations significantly impacted by weather-related disasters that inhibited their ability to deliver or store milk in one or even multiple years, end quote. Now, most producers who participated in prior FSA programs likely already have all the information they'll need on file. And again, you can uh, sign up 
still as the program has been extended. The deadline for the applications for the Milk Loss Program now to Monday, October 30th. All right, well, we are out of time here today on AOA. Thanks for joining us. Coming up on tomorrow's program, we'll have a conversation with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley. We'll get an update on what is happening in Washington, D.C. and more. Can't wait to talk with Senator Grassley. We'll also take a look at the auction market and more. We'll discuss equipment sales trends with Andy Campbell from Tractor Zoom, And we'll have a conversation with Dr. Brett Terhar from Elanco Animal Health, beef technical consultant with them, talking about uh, things that producers should be considering right now to ensure they get their most out of their calves here this fall. We'll get to those conversations and more coming up tomorrow on AOA. Brought to you by Cenex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. Find your nearest Cenex location online at Cenex.com. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks for listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Challenge. It's not something you shy from. It's a chance to up your game. Every day brings a new challenge. But with the Enhanced Channel Seed brand on your side, you can rise to it. With our top-performing seed, innovative digital tools, and expanded agronomic support, you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage. Your Enhanced Channel Seed brand. Let's rise to the challenge. Learn more at channel.com rise. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, farm radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org.